all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be talking about small changes that you can make to lead a healthier lifestyle and why that should be our focus, why we should be focused on small changes, um, because they have a big impact. If you have a question for us related to that, or if you want to share some changes that you've made, some habits that you've adopted to lead a healthier lifestyle, we'd love to hear from you today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four. 672 You can also email us at fit at mpbonline.org. So beginning this this new year, uh, kicking off 2022, a lot of people use the new year to, to set goals for the upcoming year related to health. And they're often very grand goals and, and worthy goals, um, but they're usually not something that folks stick to in, in the long run. Uh, we burn bright for a couple of weeks, and then we tend to, to kind of uh, retreat back into our previous habits. And so I want to adjust our expectations a little bit when it comes to um, getting a healthier lifestyle, because it really is much smaller changes that we make that lead to long-term success and long-term sustainability. Um, whenever I'm working with someone uh, as a, in a, a patient provider role like I do in lifestyle medicine, the first question uh, that I ask after, it, you know, the first one, of course, is tell me how I can help you. And it's usually something along the lines of I want to lose weight or um, I want to work on my blood sugar, these different kinds of things. The next question I ask is, okay, let's say we're successful at doing those things. So we're successful at losing weight or um, you know, getting our blood sugar under control, those kinds of things. How will your life be different if you achieve that goal, right? Because that's what we're getting at, right? It's not improvements in a number on a scale or improvements in a blood test. It's improvement in in life. Um, so that is kind of what we want to talk about today is, one, figuring out our motivation to change and then building a plan to do that. But we do have a caller on the line. We have David from Horn Lake that we'll go to and say, good morning, David. How can I help you today? Well, I think I may be varying a little bit off of your subject okay. topic. 
Well, uh, look, I'm 66 years old. I worked 26 years in the chemical industry, and during my work history, I've been exposed to numerous, numerous uh, known carcinogens. Carcinogens? Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Cancer-causing agents. Carcinogens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Help me out here. All right. Uh, uh, nickel catalyst, which they know causes nasal lung cancer. Asbestos right. former cell, which is formaldehyde. Methyl and benzyl chloride. Plastic processes. Fatty acids. Anyway. Uh, my question to you is, uh, uh, since my work history and my family history is, we have uh, a, a, a known uh, neurological diseases run in our family from Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and multiple sclerosis. Since I hadn't seen a doctor in over over 10 years, I'm 66 years old, uh, I'm going to break down, is there any specific tests or screenings which I should really uh, emphasize the doctor that I may meet, I might need to uh, be you know, done. I've had um, I've had know, two COVID shots, but that's the only thing I've had. Excellent. Okay. So the 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 biggest thing here is to catch you up on some of the health maintenance that you've kind of missed um, being out of healthcare for the past ten years or so. So based on your age, there are some things that would be recommended. Probably an update to your tetanus booster. Um, would be one. Uh, you mentioned you've had your COVID vaccines. If you haven't had a booster, that would be something to talk with them about as well. Um, annual flu vaccine. And then since you're over the age of 65, it would be time for um, pneumonia vaccine as well. And then you okay. could also talk about, go ahead. All right. Can I interrupt you with you one second? Absolutely. Uh, um, um, when I went and got my two COVID shots, I had, I went to a local grocery store. They had a big sign there, and they were recommending at least eight different uh, vaccines. One of them was um, shingles. Anyway, mm-hmm. my question to you is, have they done any studies about, uh, I have no hesitation whatsoever about the COVID. I've had two, and I'm planning mm-hmm. on getting the booster. Have they done any health, health studies about mixing up about eight or at least eight different vaccines along with the COVID, you know, if it will cause any adverse health effects? a great question and so when we when the COVID vaccines originally rolled out um, there was a waiting period between vaccines right so they did not want you to get any other vaccines at the same time as the COVID vaccine because we were trying to look at you know side effect profiles and make and we you know if you get a couple of things at one time there's not really a way to tell what you had maybe a reaction to or the side effects were from those kinds of things so many COVID vaccines have been given over the last year. Uh, we have a pretty good working knowledge of what the side effect profiles are on those kinds of things. And so that's why they removed that particular um, kind of stipulation there. And so you can get the vaccines at the same time. Now, you know, depends on kind of how you respond to vaccines. Some people run fever with vaccines, some don't. But in terms of, of mixing the different vaccines, that's being done currently. I'm not aware of any specific study that is looking at it, but it's being done in practice and haven't seen an increased report of any kind of adverse events from getting getting more than one at the same time. Okay. All right. Kind of back to your original question. So that those are kind of, and you mentioned the shingles vaccine. That was going to be the other one that I um, recommended. Then uh, colonoscopy would be um, the, another screening test that would be appropriate based on your age and the fact that you haven't been um, in in the last 10 years. 
And then, are you a smoker at all or anything like that? No, I, that's one. That's one habit. I don't do use any kind of <laughs> tobacco products, I, uh, any shape, form, or fashion. Now, if you mentioned gum chewing, I'll be up the creek without a paddle. Mm, yeah. So, you know, based on that, there are a couple of other screening tests that if you were a smoker, you would qualify for, which which you're not. The next thing would be to make sure you tell the um, physician or nurse practitioner or physician assistant that you that you see about your occupational health um, exposures and the things that you've been exposed to in, in the past to see if they need to do baseline chest x-rays or anything like that. Um, and then blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, those would be the other things that we would want to screen and check for um, kind of based on your age right now. Um, eye checkup and dental checkup as well. And in the dental checkup, they can look for any type of um, uh, lumps or bumps in your mouth that would be any kind of oral cancer, those types of things. But you're you're doing what's right and getting back in to see uh, a healthcare provider and getting a good checkup. All right. Uh, um, what about the neurological disease history of my family? Is there any kind of uh, specific tests or anything to find out since since you know I've had three family members had Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and mm-hmm. multiple sclerosis? Is there any kind of screenings? Available Not for really. that? Not no really? Screening per se, tests per se. They can do a uh, like a cognitive evaluation uh, and a, like a memory test. We call those mm-hmm. mini mental status exams to look for any kind of cognitive impairment. Um, and you're 66, so you probably have Medicare. Yeah, so there is an uh, There is an annual Medicare wellness visit that is, um, kind of in addition to like a, just a regular physical exam, and it's usually done by a nurse, and you that's part of your covered benefit with Medicare, and they usually do those mental screenings as part of that um, that exam. All right, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for giving me a call today. That was a really great question. Um, that prompted a lot of really good information. And if you guys are listening and you have a question or a comment for us, please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Now, Kevin, I know you had a, a question that you wanted me to, to kind of tackle a little bit today. Why don't we go ahead and do that one before we go to our first break? All right. Very good. I have been attempting to uh, sample some of the meatless products uh, to try to uh, eat those, incorporate them into my diet. And I saw something online uh, that said one of them was very high in uh, calories. So it was things things that you thought might be good for you that maybe weren't. Uh, my question, though, are all meatless products created the same, or might some have better calorie loads and, and health uh, benefits or, you know, that sort of thing than others? That's a great question. And they're not all created equal. And I think it's important to remember that they're not a they're not a real food, right? They did they've been produced and manufactured, and so doesn't mean they can't have a you know a place on our plate. But we do need to be careful about those things because they are going to have added fats and added uh, sodium usually. Because if they don't taste good, they're not going to sell. And so if we if we're you know pulling out meat, which is what these products are stimulating, then usually fat and salt are going to be added in there to give it a meat-like texture or at least a mouthfeel associated with that. So by and large, you know, we shouldn't be kind of subbing them out one for one on our plate. 
Now, if all we're looking at is cholesterol, they absolutely are healthier in terms of a cholesterol because cholesterol only comes from things that have a liver. So if they are a plant-based meat substitute, they're going to be cholesterol-free. But it doesn't necessarily mean they are um, healthier. It just depends on what your goal is, right? If you're cutting out meat from an, uh, from an ethical standpoint and an animal welfare standpoint, absolutely. But if you're doing it maybe for weight loss, a lot of these meat substitutes are going to be just as calorically dense as uh, its meat counterpart. So you have to be careful with that. Um, Impossible Meat is probably one of the the most popular brands beyond meat. Both of those are are relatively high in in fat. Uh, They are a little bit lower in fat and calories than, say, a ground beef, but they're still pretty high in there. Do I use them? Occasionally. Um, I usually only use a little bit of them and, and, you know, put them in something with other veggies. But they're still a, a high calorically dense item and maybe only every now and then on your on your plate. And choose more whole food um, replaced sources to sub out your meat like beans and nuts and seeds and lentils and legumes um, and those kinds of things. But a great question. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we're talking about small changes that you can make even today to lead to a healthier lifestyle. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring if you want to give us a call. And I think we do have a caller holding for us. We're going to go to Roger from Florence and say good morning. Well, good morning. I want to first of all thank you for your very articulate explanations. I think that's it's not unusual, but it's not always the case. The good faith uh, contributors on these programs for MPB, and you're doing a beautiful job. Thank you well, very thank much. You. Well, thank you. Now, my, How can I help you? My, well, my comment is that I had an experience with not multiple but two vaccines recently and I made them I made the mistake of asking for convenience. I went to get my booster, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I also recognized that I had not had my I and I say I'm sort of forgetting, but I think it was my my uh uh flu. I mean, excuse me, uh pneumonia Okay. Okay. And I'm I'm eighty two years old, so I'm I'm old enough to have everything in my system and all that, but I said, uh, I don't want to come back. It was convenience, and I said, sure, why can I get that? And the pharmacist, very good, nice, helpful, intelligent, uh, good pharmacist, I won't say where, uh, said, well, I've 
you can do that. I don't. There's no documented evidence of, of problems with doing that mm-hmm. at the same time as a booster if you want to do it. And I said, I want to do it. I don't want to come back next week when the next thing about it. I did it, and I had terrible reactions to, I don't know which, probably not right. booster. So anyway, and I had never had reactions to the, to the uh, I believe it was the, the pneumonia shot. Pneumovax. Uh, what kind of reaction so, did you have? Oh, I had uh, uh, soreness, uh, headache, uh, fever, you know, that sort of thing. And, and it went away in a couple of days, uh, but it was it was pronounced. But it's people are different, and that's my only message: is that yeah, people are different. Absolutely. Don't do it for convenience. Yeah, don't don't just try to get six of them in one day for convenience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't even get two in convenience because you may be that person like me who just reacted. That's that's my message. Thank you for yeah. doing. Absolutely, and thank you for sharing that experience. And 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 you're correct. You know, everybody kind of kind of reacts to it a little bit differently. The side effect profile with the with the COVID booster shot is very very similar to the side effects with the you know, the first two, the primary series. The fact that it does cause arm soreness, fatigue, muscle aches, uh, and and fever. And Usually, however, you responded after the second dose is how you respond after the the booster, which it does tend to make people feel a little bit crummier after uh, that booster because it's your it's just your immune system working. Um, that's why we have have those things, the fever and the, the muscle aches and those kinds of things um, going on there. But you know, absolutely, if it's not a vaccine that you got to have right this minute and you've got time to space them out, that is a perfectly acceptable way to do that as well. Thank you for giving us a call today. All right. We were talking about um, kind of finding our, our motivation for making healthier lifestyle changes and kind of thinking about how those changes might impact your life. And sometimes when we think about how my life might be different, we tend to think about way far out in the future, right? 10, 15, five years in the future. But I would caution you to think in a little bit shorter terms, right? Like maybe how will your life be different in three months or six months, right? And it may not be a number on the scale. It may be that you have more energy or you don't have to take as many medicines. So you're able to spend the money that you spent on medicines on something that you enjoy, those different kinds of things. And and really attaching it to quality of life and not just numbers. Once we kind of have that, uh, that, that reason for wanting to change or that, that goal to shoot for, the next step before we even start doing anything is to evaluate where we are currently, right? I have a, a new group over on Facebook called The Healthiest Life, and the question I uh, put out this morning was, what is something, what's a small change that you can do to improve your lifestyle? And as those responses started coming in, they were things like, I need to do more cardio or to exercise more or to eat better, those kinds of things. I, my response to all of those people were, tell me what you're doing currently, right? So if we want to say more exercise, which may be a completely appropriate uh, goal to shoot for, we got to start with what, where are we right now? Like what's our current 
exercise pattern. Because what I often see is people go from, from nothing, right, no current exercise, to trying to do all the exercise within a very, very short time frame. We start, um, you know, doing high-impact cardio and lifting weights and doing all these kinds of things. And that's admirable, but it may not be sustainable from a variety of reasons. We may overtrain initially and wind up with some type of injury that then kind of breaks the habit we were trying to build, and it's much, much harder to get back restarted with that. Um, Or we may just go, this is not fun, and I don't want to spend all this time doing this. And, and stop. And so looking at what you're doing currently and building a, a plan off of that, right? So if you are not currently active, step back and think, realistically, what am I going to do, right? Not what the magazines tell me I should do or what the trainer on social media tells me I should do, but realistically what I feel like I can and will do, because those are two very different things, right? Um, Need, can, and will are different words, right? And so people often tell me they need to exercise more or they can exercise more, but I usually follow that up with, but will you, right? And that's where we want to get to is I will do these things. And so if you're not currently active, maybe it is five minutes once a week. And that may seem like not enough. And truthfully, it's not enough, but it is a great place to start if it's something that you will do consistently. Um, Because once you, you get that kind of under your belt, we can talk about increasing the number of times you do that or the amount of time that you do it for, or both, whichever one, again, you feel the most confident in being able to do, being able to increase the duration or the frequency or both. And that goes for any lifestyle change that you're looking for. So if we just look at it from what behaviors are proven to impact health and wellness, right? It is going to be movement, so physical activity. It's going to be more water. It's going to be more fruits and vegetables. It's going to be less dining out or fast food. It's going to be more sleep, and it's going to be better stress management. And when we try to overhaul all of those areas at once, or we try to do too much in any of those areas, it usually doesn't lead to sustainable, long-lasting habits that then leads to the changes that we're wanting to see. So the best place to kind of start, again, is to figuring out what your current habits are. Um, And so I'm not saying you have to food journal for the rest of your life, but kind of taking a look at your habits over the coming this coming week is a good place to start, right? So it doesn't have to be a fancy app. doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a fancy notebook. It can be the notes function on your phone. It can be a sticky pad. But at the end of the day, think back on was I physically active today, right? And kind of above and beyond what you would do as part of your activities of daily living, right? Um, 
was I intentionally physically active today? And if so, write down what you did, how many minutes you did it for, right? Again, rough estimate. Think about your water consumption. How many glasses of water did you drink today? Or if you're a like a disposable plastic water bottle kind of person, you know, those are usually two glasses of water in, um, in a bottle. So how many of those did you do today? Did I have a fruit today? Did I have a vegetable today? Did I eat out today or did I make my food at home? What, how many hours of sleep did I get last night? And do I feel rested today? And then did I spend any time on relaxation or a hobby or anything like that, right? And you got to do it for more than one day, right? Because each day is different. Some days are incredibly hectic. Some days are a little slower. And our habits tend to follow along with that. Some days we do a little bit better with those things. Some days we struggle a little bit more with them, right? And so that's, that's the first place to start. Instead of going directly into action and directly into planning, we want to step back and go, what are we doing currently? We tend to overestimate our behaviors. So if I asked you, do you eat fruits and vegetables? Most people are going to tell me yes. When I then look at a diet recall of that, there are often no fruits on that list or very, very free, very, very few fruits um, and very few vegetables on that. And that's not to be like to catch it in a lie. You're not lying. It's just we tend to uh, overestimate our healthy choices and underestimate maybe the, the choices that are not so great for us. So keeping track of those habits is the, the first way to start and the best way to start. Once you kind of have your pattern down there, think about one of those areas that you want to make an improvement in, whether that be more exercise, more water, more fruits and vegetables, more sleep, or more relaxation and, and stress management. And then we can move into planning for how to implement that. So building a healthy lifestyle is not something that happens overnight and it's not something that is quick, but that that time of self-reflection is a really, really important piece. Um, I then usually would encourage you to look at what maybe is keeping you from achieving the more Right. Um, And I hope you notice that I'm using the word more and not the word less, because I really like to focus on what we can add to our lifestyle and less on what we remove from our lifestyle. Right. That's a positive putting in in a positive light versus a negative light. Right. If we concentrate on adding more water, the end result should be that we have less soda and juice and sweet tea and those other things, but framing it that way makes it feel less of a restriction and less of a punishment. And it may not seem that way, but the way we speak to ourselves and the way uh, we talk to ourselves in our head is very, very important for the behaviors that then follow. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. for joining us today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we're talking about small changes to building a healthier lifestyle today. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And if you have a, a tip that you want to share, like maybe you've made and sustained a healthier habit in your daily life. We'd love to hear that because the take home is that everybody is different and what works for one person may not work for someone else. I have a group over on Facebook called the Healthiest Life that has a good conversation going this morning about what's the healthy habit that you want to incorporate into your life this year. And while three people have all posted about wanting uh, to increase their exercise, all of them are different in the recommendations that are going to be most appropriate for them. Uh, And that's going to be true for all of you listening. What works for me and the way that I exercise and what works for someone and what is working for someone else, maybe two very different things. And the barriers that are keeping some one person from being as active as they want to be versus somebody else are going to be different as well. And so the plan that we make is going to have to reflect those differences. So we can talk about kind of um, guidelines right, and how much we're supposed to be physically active, but how that's implemented and what that looks like in an individual is going to be very, very different, right? So just to kind of refresh you on what those guidelines are, ultimately, it's 150 minutes of cardio activity. So walking or dancing or biking or swimming or jogging or any of the rowing, any of those kinds of things are going to count as that cardio activity. And we should be ultimately trying to get to 150 minutes a week, but we surely do not have to start there. We want to start at smaller, manageable bites to get us to where we want to be. We'll go on to Gaucher and talk with Rick this morning. Good morning. Hey. Hey, Doc. How are you? I'm fine. What can I do for you? Well, I have a question about uh, Effiant, the uh, an antiplatelet, I guess okay. they call it. Okay, okay, so a little over a year ago, 
I had two stents installed in my right coronary artery, okay. and I went on uh, Epient, and it's been over a year, and I asked my uh, cardiologist, can I come off of that stuff? And he uh-huh. said, no, I want you to take it for the rest of your life. And uh, so I had another cardiologist, a military doctor, ask me why I was still on Epient. So I guess there's different trains of thought here. Mm-hmm. And what, what do you think? I mean, I don't really want to stay on Epient for the rest of my life. Uh, right. You know, a lot of people come off of that after about 12 or 13 months. Right. So what do I do? Well, you know, I would usually always go with the person that has your medical record in front of them, right? Because yeah. they know more specifics about the type of stent that was used, your particular risk factors, and those kinds of things. So I would lean more towards the cardiologist who actually has your medical record in front of them, right? Now, if you're still concerned and want some additional, you know, additional information from that, I would do that in a more formal way with another cardiologist, right, so that they can get your medical records and review them and make a decision based off of that Um, because there may be something in that record that is making your cardiologist want you to stay on that versus, you know, somebody who doesn't know the specifics of your case going, well, you should probably be able to stop that. Yeah, I think, Um, you know, I'm sorry, my current one is kind of old school, and the the younger guy says, oh, no, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the AFIRE trial, uh, but they're they're talking about bleed risk uh, compared to... uh, you know, the effectiveness of effient uh, after a year. Uh, right. You know, when the stent, the, 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 the tissue grows over the stent, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, it's and they're talking about uh, a bleed risk here because I also right. take a blood thinner, uh, Eliquis. You take Eliquis as well? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just based off of those things, it, it would, kind of the newer guidelines, look to the fact that you may could stop that. Um, yeah. My only hesitation is the fact that, you know, I don't know the specifics of your case and those kinds yeah. of things. So, you know, if you if you feel like your current cardiologist is kind of giving you some outdated information or you just have additional questions that you don't feel like are being answered appropriately, it's never wrong to get a second opinion on that. Okay. But it should be okay. met with someone who's looking at your medical record. You know, just make sure there's not anything extenuating in there that would change the recommendation. Okay. Well, look, I appreciate your advice. Thank you very much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me a call today. It was a really great question. And guys, if you're listening and have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring And you can always email us, bit at mpbonline.org. And you don't have to do that just when we're on the air. We can take those emails anytime so that we're able to address your questions and we'll get right back to you um, that way. All right, thinking about kind of back into our uh, planning for making a healthier lifestyle change, looking at those habits that we kind of self-identified, picking, I usually say one. Let's pick one thing to work on over the next month, right? Doesn't mean we don't add things in along the way, but keeping that one thing as our priority, right? And really being honest with ourselves about what we will do and then also being honest with what has kept us from doing those things in the past, right? So water is a good example, right? Trying to get more water 
the more comes into whatever it is you're currently doing, right? So maybe you only drink two glasses of water a day or one of those uh, disposable water bottles a day. If we think about a common recommendation, which is eight glasses of water a day, going from two to eight overnight may happen for a day or two. Probably not going to happen for the long term. And, you know, be realistic with that. Maybe it's one more bottle of water over the next month, right? So that we're getting to two bottles of water a day or four glasses a day, right? Once we get there, we can then write a new goal to increase that. Um, over um, on Facebook, I actually just had a question that came in asked me, should you actually spell out your plan for change? If it's written down and shared, do you think it's more easily adhered to? And perhaps, right? So I usually do recommend people write it down. Now, whether you share it or not is up to you, although that does tend to increase accountability, especially if you find a buddy to kind of hold you accountable, Right. Um, maybe it's your significant other and you tell them, you know, I'm really working on trying to increase the amount of water that I drink, right? And so I really want you to help me, help support me in that. So maybe instead of X, Y, and Z with dinner, we have water with dinner, right? And writing that plan down is a good way to make it very concrete and very measurable, right? Because if you write that down, that you're going to have um, two bottles of water a day, at the end of the day, you can look back and say, did I achieve this, right? Did I drink two bottles of water today? And if you didn't, that's okay, right? Don't think of it as a failure. I do want you to take it a step further and think about what kept you from being able to do that, right? Was it uh, that you don't like the taste of water. A lot of times I hear that. There are different strategies for working around that. Is it that you just simply forget to do it? Again, different strategies for that particular barrier. Is it maybe because you can't have a water bottle at your desk or wherever you work? Um, again, different strategies for that. Maybe it's you don't like what you're using to drink um, your water out of. There are a multitude of different cups. Uh, and, and devices to, to use. A lot of times I see people with those gigantic water jugs. And I'm not here to tell you that's the wrong thing, right? It is the wrong thing for me, right? That is not portable for me. I can't um, shove it in my uh, bag and take it because it's just too big. And it's a little discouraging for me uh, when I you know maybe haven't drank as much as I need to by a specific time that's marked on that bottle. For some people, it's very motivating to use that. So, again, one size does not fit all when it comes to that. So really kind of step back and think, what do I need to be successful? And so for me, I have a water bottle that holds three glasses of water, and it has a straw in it. Uh, and that is the one that I am most likely to use and most likely to drink more out of. And so that's the one that that I utilize it may not be the one that's right for you, but it is going to take being realistic with yourself and deciding what it is you will do. And if it does not happen, what kept you from doing that and reworking your plan to make that happen. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. And we've been talking about small changes to build into your daily routine to ultimately lead a healthier lifestyle. We are in the last segment of the show. So if you have a burning question for us, now is the time. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring I did get a message over the break uh, for someone's goal that they want to do. And it says, choose fruit instead of unhealthy snacks. And it sounds like a great one. And it's one I hear a lot. I would push back on it a little bit and say, is that something that you are going to do sustainably, right? And maybe, maybe not. So instead of making it an all or nothing type of thing, why not build in the fact that you're going to have some of those unhealthy snacks from time to time or less than healthy snacks from time to time, right? Maybe, first of all, I'd ask you what you mean by unhealthy, right? Maybe it's chips, maybe it's candy, you know, whatever it is. Um, Chocolate is one for a lot of people. And so I would say, well, how can we build this in a more sustainable way, right? What can we add to your snacks that's a healthier option, right? Remember, if we add things to our routine, it kind of automatically crowds out some of the less than healthy options that we're doing, So maybe it's chocolate. Maybe you have a big candy bar from the vending machine for snack time, right? Maybe we instead choose to have a piece of fruit and a smaller piece of candy, right, at the same same snack time, right? That way we fill up on the fruit, right? We get the benefits of adding something that's full of fiber, that's full of vitamins and minerals, And we still don't feel deprived uh, and like we're being punished, right? Because fruit is not a punishment, although it's often seen that way, right? When we we say we're going to have a piece of fruit instead of having our favorite snack. So think about realistically what it is you're going to do, right? Maybe it is that you normally have chips, right? So what can we add to those chips? so that we ultimately have a smaller portion of chips at that snack time and a larger volume of something else, 
Maybe we add in, um, you know, if we're doing chips and salsa, maybe we also throw in some cut up veggies so that we have a smaller portion of chips. We have a vegetable in there and we wind up feeling full and fat and not deprived. And I know there will be people out there who go, I can't believe you would tell somebody that it's okay to have chips. And I'm not telling everybody that. I'm telling you that it's individualized and that it's very, what works for one person is not going to be applicable to another person. So it is very important that you are real with yourself and what you are going to do. Because if having a small piece of candy with an apple keeps you from having a large candy bar every day, that's a win, right? It is not about perfection. It is about progress and intentionality and making the, the healthier choice fit in to what you will do sustainably because yo-yo dieting does not work. It is bad for your mental health. It is bad for your metabolism and bouncing from diet to diet is not a sustainable way to build a healthy lifestyle pattern. So it is very individualized and, and we've got to give ourselves some grace a little bit, right? Um, These foods, are highly palatable. They taste good, right? So there are a variety of strategies that can be employed, like don't buy it, right? Which is usually the the strategy that I have at my house. I tend not to buy the things that I know I have um, a tendency to to over snack on. They're like jalapeno potato chips. Those things are so good. I love spice. Um, And if I have them in the house, I'm going to eat them. So the majority of the time, I do not buy those. Every now and then I do, and that's okay, right? But thinking about how you set yourself up for success and you make the space in which you live or work work for you, right? Meaning you don't keep a bowl of candy on your desk. Or if you do have those snacks that, um, you know, you may eat, maybe you keep them for your grandkids or, you know, something else, kind of put them out of eyesight, right? Don't leave them sitting out on the counter because when you walk by, even if you're not hungry, when you walk by and you see those things, your brain goes, mm, those are good. And then that is all you think about is, well, they're right in there and nobody's going to know. So I'm going to go eat them, right? And again, that's, that's maybe okay. But if that is not meeting your goal, right, if your goal is to not have as much of those things, then set yourself up for that success, right? Either don't buy them or store them where they are not in your immediate eyesight and store the things that you want to eat more of where you can see them. Just this week, I was working with someone who wants to eat more fruit, and they actually have the fruit at their house, but they're not eating it. I asked where they stored it. It was in the bottom drawer of the refrigerator. So let's go ahead and get that out of the bottom drawer of the fridge and move it up to the top shelf. That way, when you open the fridge, it's staring at you, right? And so we'll see if that works. It may not. If it doesn't, we'll go on to a different strategy. But those are the little changes I'm talking about, right? Just where we store our food uh, can be a benefit to us and increase the likelihood that we will um, adopt some of those habits. So I encourage you this week to, if you're wanting to make a a change in some area of your lifestyle, whether it be food or exercise or sleep or stress, to think about how your life will be different 
if you're able to do those things, what you're doing currently, what you will do, and what the barriers are to achieving that. Being kind to yourself, being um, real with yourself, and giving yourself a little bit of grace there. I hope those things have helped you out. If you didn't catch the show in its entirety, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts by searching for Southern Remedy. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.